Hey mama, welcome back. Do you find yourself struggling with self-worth or confidence? Are you curious why your motivation seems to come and go so much on your health journey? Do you wonder exactly how mental health plays into your relationship to food, exercise, or body image? So often the world tries to tell us that the fixes for these problems are more diets or workout programs or even to know more about what you should or shouldn't do to live healthy. But knowing is different from actually being able to do the things, right? The truth is that it's not usually a knowledge problem. It's about something going on deeper below the surface in your nervous system, often a response to trauma, emotional numbing, or something along those lines. But I know that it can be so hard to dig deeper and uncover the root issues causing you to struggle in your health journey the way that you are. That's why I brought on today's guest. Join me as I chat with licensed clinical marriage and family therapist Jenny Helms-Calvin all about disordered eating, body image, mental health, and so much more. She shares the cultural aspects that play a part in these struggles as well as very practical, though not easy, ways to begin your healing journey. See, there is a way to live free from comparison and the trap of diet culture that this world loves and fully embrace the true confidence and joy that God has for you so you can live as the mama that he created you to be. My prayer, as always, is that this conversation blesses you and encourages you on your journey to healthy and empowered living. Hey, sweet mama, welcome to Healthy and Empowered Living. Do you want to consistently make your healthiest choices so you can finally get to a weight you love? Do you find yourself up late at night searching recipes for healthier family meals or motivation to work out? Do you wake up with big, ambitious goals only to feel frustrated that you can't follow through or guilty that it's taking away precious time from your kids again? Hey, I'm Lauren. I too was a mom who wanted to lose weight. I too worried that my health was taking up too much of my time and energy and wished that I could finally let go of the number on the scale and have a healthy relationship with food and exercise. I wanted confidence and freedom to love my body and food and have more energy for the things that really matter to me. But I kept telling myself that I'd never have the discipline to consistently make healthy choices and that I'd just keep falling off the wagon until I found a little secret that helped me get to and stay at a weight I love. In this podcast, you will find all the motivation and quick tips you need to live healthy consistently through mindful eating, fitness made simple, and mindset transformation so that you will live in true confidence at a weight you love and as the mama God created you to be. So pop in those earbuds, grab your healthy snack, and let's do this. Well, hello. Welcome to this episode of the Healthy and Empowered Living Podcast. I'm your host, Lauren, and I have a good friend with me here today. I actually met her through CrossFit, and um, turns out she has a lot of really cool knowledge about mental health and disordered eating and all sorts of things, and it's just an awesome story. Um, so I want, I'm going to let her introduce herself, um, but I have today on the podcast with me my friend, Jenny. Hi, I am uh, Jenny Helms Calvin. I am a licensed clinical marriage and family therapist. I actually specialize in eating disorders and relational trauma. Those are kind of for, it's funny to call it your jam, but those are the things that I really love. And it's my jam. Um, very passionate about. Um, and yeah, I'm also, I wear the business ownership hat too. I think that's important to share because I really am only seeing clients one day a week now. And so for the rest of the week, I'm actually, um, building and running a, a group mental health practice here. That's actually, um, yeah, it's pretty, it's Wichita's largest mental health practice. So I wear both hats and I love, I love both sides of, um, 
both being a business owner and also a therapist. And I'm grateful to be here. Oh my gosh. So yeah, that keeps you really busy, doesn't it? (laughs) It does. It does. And it was interesting because I was thinking about uh, some of of the listeners that you might have and and finding balance and busyness. And I'm not a mom, but I, I feel like I can at least Again, I don't want to say that this is anything like being a mom, but I definitely can still relate to the struggle of how to balance life and busyness and my own mental health and physical health. Yeah, for sure. Because I mean, just like we do with, with raising our children, I mean, businesses go through different seasons of super busy times and not busy times. And so we always are having to adapt and change and our routines go all over the place and just how do we stay stable in that? So yeah, I definitely think you can relate and speak to all of that for sure. So tell us a little bit more about yourself, your story, like what led you to be doing what you're doing today? So I joke that a lot of the folks in mental health or a lot of the providers that I work with, we tend to be what we call wounded healers. And that just means that through our own experiences of being wounded or struggling with something, when it comes to our mental health, we typically develop this passion for helping others and serving others once we've been able to really get through something really tough. And so for me, I had a really, really bad eating disorder in high school, um, probably from the ages of 14 to about 18 and a half, 19 years old. Um, I was in and out of hospitals. I was in therapy most of the time. Like when I say most of the time, a lot more than a a normal teenager would be. Um, And so I was very, uh, I had a really interesting developmental experience with mental health and my relationship with food and, and my relationship with myself. And through that, I became passionate about helping others with their relationship with food, their relationship with themselves. And yeah, I think it sprung from there. I even, I had like this quarter life crisis in grad school where I was like, do I even really want to work with eating disorders? And Um, took a break from even like working with that population and just found like a year later, I still just gravitated towards working with folks that have um, disordered eating, eating disorders, or what we would call issues of over control. I just, I love working with that population and, um, and yeah, so it's been a passion of mine for a very long time. It's kind of one of those weirdos that knew what I wanted to do from high school on. Um, and so, yeah, so that's kind of what led to all the twists and turns of being a therapist in that field today. And then also wanting to provide better resources and, in, in, um, in Wichita for mental health. Cause I just, I just saw how much of a need there was. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's really cool. <laughs> I love, I love that term wounded healer because it's so true that we, I mean, we teach, and share and are passionate from our own stories and um it's interesting to me that you kind of like tried to walk away from it for a little bit and I get that like I've been there in Mm -hmm. in my own ebbs and flows of my health journey and what I teach I'm like oh is this even what I want to do um but it just you know there's just something that kind of pulls you back to it because it's been your passion for so long um so that's really cool yeah can you tell us a little bit more, um, kind of maybe provide us with a little bit of a definition of kind of disordered eating. Like I know there's the big ones, but then you also kind of are alluding to 
you know, just over control or just our relationship with food relationship with yourself? Like, can you kind of just give us the most basic definition that you can? Okay. I will do my best. Cause I know that obviously there can be a lot of context and layers to this, but I think the most simple definition I could provide is that our relationship with food and, and if it's disordered eating or not is on a spectrum. And I think that at some point it crosses over into being an eating disorder when we are revolving our life around food and our behaviors around food and it's hurting ourselves, it's hurting other people and we cannot reel it in. So like that, the extreme of, of something is like, we cannot reel it in and it's significantly hurting ourselves or others, um, you know, spiritually, emotionally, physically. And I, I say spiritually and, and emotionally, because a lot of eating disorders, even if they aren't physically severe, they are very emotionally and spiritually severe because people lose themselves um, and who they are because their life revolves around body image and food and they lose truly who they are. They're not able to be their true selves. And so I think that that's a very important distinction because a lot of people assume that serious eating disorders are only folks that are emaciated or, you know, severely overweight or things like that. And it's, it's not a look, it's not about weight. It's about behaviors and the destruction it does to a person, um, body, mind, and spirit. And the spectrum of that is that a lot of folks have, they can have layers of not having a great relationship with food or their bodies. And I think, especially in our culture, I'll just speak to like American culture. We have a lot of body image issues. We have a lot of what we would call like beauty sickness, where a lot of women have learned to try to get power or status from their body, or that that's where you're supposed to get it from, or that's like what a woman is good for. And so I think there's a lot of layers where women end up being more vulnerable to having um, issues with disordered eating because they overly prioritize what their body looks like and overly prioritize how important that is to being powerful and having self-worth. And because of that, they engage in these behaviors that just keep them from living their best life. Um, because again, if, if we're, even if we're just minutely restricting or minutely going into like binging episodes, because we're just so, um, I mean, there's a lot of reasons we could binge and struggle with emotional eating, but if we're doing that and then that's attacking our self-worth, that ends up impacting our life. That ends up impacting how we show up in the world. And so I think a lot of people can fall on the spectrum and a lot of people can get close to like having severe disordered eating, but may never be diagnosed with an eating disorder. Um, and that's when it's like still taking over your life, but maybe it's not causing as significant harm to yourself or others as a quote unquote diagnosable eating disorder. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's amazing. That was <laughs> like, I, I, that was like long, but yeah, <laughs> sorry. No, that was, that was so, so good. And, and it's so funny. Like you, I feel like you're putting a lot of, um, I would say, you know, professional words to, and definitions to a lot of like what I talk about, um, in my coaching program, mm -hmm. because, um, yeah, a lot of what I deal with is, is the body image issues and the self-confidence and things like that, that stems from, um, 
your relationship with food or even your relationship to exercise because you get so and the way that I describe it and just on an easy to understand level and based on how I experience it is you just get so consumed in your mind with what you're eating, when you're eating, whether you're going to exercise, what you're going to do for exercise, like what the weight on the scale is today, what it's going to be tomorrow. Did I get enough sleep? Like, it's just so all of these things are just completely consuming your mind. Um, and so then, then, yeah, it's hard, like you said, to, to live your life and you, you start valuing, um, you know, whether you made the best decisions today, you start valuing yourself by the decisions that you're making or value valuing yourself by the weight on the scale or how you look or whether you went to the gym or, um, you know, whatever it is. And, and it's, it's interesting to hear, um, just from, from your perspective to, to talk about it in such a way that it's, you know, it may not be a, a diagnosed like eating disorder, but there's still these faulty behaviors that can be corrected. Mm -hmm. um, and, yes. and, you know, you say like, you may get close to, to that, but not be diagnosed, but how many, um, you know, let's speak to women specifically, since that's, who's probably listening. Like how many women do you think are, are they not even aware um, that there's, there's maybe an issue with how they've been seeing food or seeing themselves. Yeah. Well, and it's funny because I, I will acknowledge that I may be biased based on the fact that I just tend to see a lot of um, folks that struggle with disordered eating or I tend to hear about it more and things like that. And I would say in my experience, most women have some form of disordered eating or struggle with body image. Most women do. And I think it would actually be pretty radical to meet a person who doesn't have any of those concerns or issues. Like, I feel like that's more of the exception to the rule than not. Um, and then I also think that there's probably a good, like, if I had to put a number to it, I would guess that it'd be like 30 to 40% of women who struggle with disordered eating that is significant enough that it's taking them away from living their best life, like from showing up in their relationships, from showing up in their careers, from just not having their world revolve overly around food and what they're doing and their body image versus them actually having the creative space and energy in their brain to be and do other things. Right. Um, I think there's a lot of women that do that. And I even, you know, it's interesting as I've seen how some women you can start to see in their friendships, they even kind of bond over talking about food and exercise and dieting and things like that. And so it becomes really hard when you're, you're in a, uh, you know, social circle too, where there's several women kind of struggling with that or reinforcing that message that this is what we focus on. And so I think it's shifting a little bit, but we definitely like, even in my friendships with, um, people from the gym that I'm really close friends with now, they'll talk about how in their prior friendships, people would like, when they go out to eat, like they'd be talking about calories and what they're eating and like all these different things that, you know, they're like, it's so refreshing to have female friendships where, there is no talk about bodies, food, weight, like any of that, you know, it just doesn't even come up. And I, I totally agree. I think that it's actually, um, it's been kind of normalized to talk about food and our bodies and like dieting and, and all the things. Right. Um, and I can even be guilty of like, you know, skincare products or whatever, like, cause you could, there's multiple categories where this shows up, but like, 
I think about it. And when you think about women versus men, how much more often would you hear women talking about like something related to looks or food versus guys? Like, I mean, typically when guys, and I'm not saying that guys don't have their own, they have their own flavor of struggles and how they define their power in ways that aren't healthy for them too. And it doesn't tend to be around food and body image like it is for women. Yeah, no, that's, that's so true. I think men definitely have their own struggles. Um, but I loved how you said, you know, uh, to define their power. Yeah. Like that's, it is, it, especially in our culture, it, our, you know, body image and our, our ability to take care of ourselves well and show up our best really, you know, I, I don't know. I, I feel like I'm feeling a check in my spirit right now. Like, Oh, check my motivation. Like, why am I really doing this? Am I doing this so that I can, you know, present myself best. So people look at me or, you know, am I really just trying to, um, you know, make my impact on the world? Um, you know what I mean? So that's kind yeah. of, funny, but, um, yeah. Okay, so. <laughs> Well, and I just want to, I want to honor that because just because I work in this field doesn't mean that I don't have to consistently check myself. Like as I've grown and matured, there are different ways where I'm like, I'll go through a level of being like, all right, I got through that. And then something else comes up and I'm like, man, I am still struggling with this. So like, I want to validate that (laughs) this journey is ever evolving and there's layers to it. But, um, I think the first things first is how, we can just be aware, like have that self-awareness that we even struggle with it. And even that it's coming from a place that isn't healthy for us. Right. Yeah. So that's a perfect segue into the next question um, that I, I, or topic I want to talk about is I, I kind of want to talk about how mental health plays a part in this. I mean, you talked about um, behaviors and even just now, like being aware, like a lot of that starts um, in our mind, in our thoughts. So how, how does mental health play a part? How has it played a part in your story? Um, how does it affect our health overall? All the things, Jenny, all All the the things, things. (laughs) all the things. Okay. I have a couple different thoughts, but I'm going to start with how it showed up even in my own story. So for me, I, Like, I'm like, how do I like briefly describe this? I guess the biggest important piece is I did not grow up with a really strong sense of self. Like I didn't have great self-worth. I struggled with depression. Like even as a young kid, it was weird because I didn't know that I had that until later on, but I definitely struggled with my mental health. And when I was growing up, I remember getting a lot of messaging from the people around me from television. Um, cause that was, I mean, for me, it was television. I wasn't on a cell phone, but I saw all these shows and different things. And the messaging was clear that if you are look a certain way that you are more worthy, quote unquote, or that like, you know, especially for women, like women have to look a certain way to have power and they have to look a certain way to be good. And it was like all this stuff that is really looking back horrible, right? It was horrible, horrible messaging, but that's something that I clung to because I came from a place of feeling like I wasn't enough and feeling like I was lacking in some way. Um, and there's a lot of layers as to why that is from my childhood stuff that I won't delve into, but I do want to share that, like, that was a, a big struggle for me at its core is not feeling good enough. And also just not feeling like I could control the things going on in my environment And so it was easy for me 
I say easy, but like, I feel like it would have become something else if I had a different context. But for me, having an eating disorder was a natural way of trying to, trying to gain self-worth, trying to gain mastery, trying to gain a sense of, of quote unquote power and control. And it, I think for many women, they may not have as, as much of a severe, like they don't go into having a full-blown eating disorder, but I do believe that they've grown up in a culture that tells them that what they look like is more important than a lot of other things. And that beauty is their power and beauty is how you get certain things in the world. Um, actually I would recommend a Ted talk for, for folks. If you want to learn more about this, Dr. Renee, I think it's Engelm, E-N-G-E-L-N. She does a wonderful Ted talk about beauty sickness. And she talks about this gap where like, you know, and it's, it's this idea that like, she starts out with like smart women think they know better. Like a lot of women are like, I know better that like, you know, if I'm looking at models or things in publications, my brain knows better that that's not real. And I don't need to be that. And in fact, when she did her research across the board, even those that were like, I know this is fake. And I know that this isn't a big thing. It does still insidiously impact our brain. Mm-hmm. And over time, our brain does really think that we need to look like that, or even that that's what the normal woman looks like. When in reality, the gap between what we're constantly being shown as like, this is what you're quote unquote supposed to look like. And this is what beauty is and what really like true humans look like and are and how they, you know, just in general, all the different variances in body shapes and sizes, um, that gap is ever widening. Like even to this day, like it's interesting how people are like, oh, well, the beauty ideal has curves. And I'm like, well, it has curves and a thin waist. So it's like, it's becoming even more impossible for women to like be whatever the newest, latest beauty fad is. Right. Um, but at the end of the day, it's still a messaging of, your body image matters and is more important than how you are in the world. And your body is meant to be looked at. It's not meant to be something that you are using to like go go and move through the world to do other things that you care about. Um, Or even, uh, I mean, we probably won't segue into this, but a lot of women still struggle to realize like, you know, they can have pleasure too. And like that, Again, I think they, they, they feel like they're constantly having to perform and be and look a certain way. Um, so those are the ways that like, if we struggle with our self-worth, if we struggle with different, um, mental health issues, that's going to contribute to our vulnerability to developing disordered eating, because many people use that as a way to cope as a way to, feel better about self-worth or try to create self-worth or self-efficacy. Um, and for some people it's about control for some people. It's also about emotional numbing, like emotional eating can often be related to emotional numbing. Um, and that can be from, um, all sorts of things, including trauma. It can be a trauma response. Um, but yeah, I don't know where, what direction you want to go from there, but I'm like, there are so many elements where, A lot of women get so hard on themselves because they're like, well, I know how to eat or I know I should just stop or I know X, Y, and Z. And I'm like, that's because it's not a knowledge problem. Like there's something going on with your nervous system. There's something going on in deeper levels of your psyche. This is not about knowing better. Right. 
Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna jump around on our questions that I that I okay. think yeah. a bit because I think that's a good segue to what what are the top tools um, that you recommend for women who are struggling to really dig deeper below the surface when they are struggling to something like something in regards to their health um, or you know in general whether it's it's body image or self worth or or if it's presenting to where they haven't even dug that deep yet. And it's just the emotional eating or, um, obsessing over their, their weight or whatever it is. Like, what are the tools that you recommend to help women dig deeper into that? So I know it sounds cliche to talk about self-awareness, but the first thing is first, like you have to even know that there's something more than just following a diet or, doing X, Y, and Z, like you have to know that there's something deeper. And that's really, I think some of the biggest barriers for, for people in general, when it comes to digging deeper is shame. Um, and people don't talk about that a lot, but there's a lot of, uh, it's messy and it's hard for us to face some of the deeper stuff that contributes to our health conditions and the, the behaviors that we have and our relationship with food, like it's, it's messy and it's, it's really important that we're able to talk about those things and not, not shame ourselves about it because we're all human. We are all struggling in our own ways. Um, and it's a cliche to say we're only as sick as our secrets, quote unquote, but it is really important that we're able to share like, and go deep in ways that like, we just may not be letting ourselves because it's hard. It is hard. And, and knowing that like, it's not comfortable to dig deep. And I, I tell people often they have to choose between like the discomfort of continuing the way that they are continuing or the discomfort of growth and change. Like, I wish I could be like, this would be easy. But like, I, I tell people, cause I want to be as real as possible. Like this journey is hard and uncomfortable and painful. And often we're having to feel things. We're like, I've been pushing that down for years. Like, let's not talk about that. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of sexual abuse and trauma that comes up in the work that I do. And so I like to let people know like this, it's okay. Like it's going to be messy. And, and if you can work with someone like a coach or someone that can help you through that journey and support you, that will be ideal because it is very hard for us to have that self-awareness and to not go into that place of shame and, and let me just avoid and push this away when we're doing it on our own. Like that is, it's so much harder to get out of those spaces and continue that journey. And so as far as tools, I'm like, well, shame, resilience, <laughs> self-awareness, having, having a person that can help us in that journey is incredibly important. Um, and I also think I, you know, if we can really educate ourselves about, um, other ways of being that are outside of our cultural norm. Like I think a lot of people in this recovery process end up becoming, I say sometimes you have to become anti-culture mm. and that's not always fun because yeah. it's way easier to be a part of the culture. And like, even like for social reasons, just kind of fit in and go with the flow. Yeah. Um, and so finding, setting boundaries and finding people that, um, that can support that for you too. And are not just kind of knocking you back into that space of, of overly focusing on food and body image and things like that too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I think kind of to, to almost summarize up the, the, you know, the tools that you're talking about, it's really finding a safe space and, you know, whether that's with a coach, 
a mental health professional, whether it is just a safe space within yourself, like you, that self-awareness, it takes time. It takes intentional time, like setting aside time to really process through and think through these things and be, you know, it be in your thoughts and be in your emotions. And I think for a lot of us women, and I know probably a lot of you who are listening, like I'm an external processor. And (laughs) if you are an external processor, like finding someone safe to talk to that, um, that you feel comfortable with can make all the difference in this journey because of the shame, like you're talking about, like so much of our culture says, you know, you need to be embarrassed. You can't be sharing the deepest, darkest secrets of yourself because you have to present yourself this perfect image. Um, or you're trying to get to this, this place. And, um, you know, I think to some extent, like you're alluding to Jenny, that there is a part of the culture that, you know, we band together in our struggle, but even then the struggle is like, we're not digging deeper into the struggle because we're not, we're trying to fix the problem when we don't know what the problem is yet. Almost. Um, yes. Haven't taken the time to dig back. We're just saying, okay, well, the world says that if we look a certain way, or if we eat a certain amount, or we don't eat a certain amount or whatever, then we'll feel better. Um, yeah, like that's what culture, that's what the world is trying to teach us when in reality, we often have to look so much deeper below the surface. So if you're, you're surrounding yourself with people who are on what I would call like this inner healing journey, this journey of really saying, okay, I, I am going to prioritize myself. Um, I'm going to value myself and see worth in myself by taking this time to, um, kind of dig deeper. Um, yeah, to kind of see what those underlying issues are so that I can show up my best moving forward and not just kind of keep putting a bandaid on the problem. Yes. Yes. Um, Yeah. No, you summed it up really well. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay. So I feel like we kind of alluded to this, but I just want to take a couple minutes, you know, on a very, just practical level, you know, someone's listening to this and they're saying, you know, I, yeah, I kind of relate to this, but it's not really playing out quite this way in my life. Or I just don't know if I'm quite there yet. Like what are the most common things that you see get in the way of women um, when it comes to taking care of their mental health? The biggest thing I see is that Okay, there's a couple of things. A, there's this idea of being sick enough. Like there's a really weird, especially with eating disorders, that's like a weird flavor. Um, and I imagine even worse with being on the spectrum of disordered eating. Like a lot of people are like, well, I'm not really sick enough to deal with this, or it's not that bad, or like I'm not as bad as X, Y, and Z. And so I think the first idea is getting rid of this mentality that you have to be a certain quote unquote level of sickness before you can actually do work and healing in this area. I think most of us, you know, I have yet to, I'm trying to think, I feel like I've only met maybe like one woman in my entire life that I genuinely believe did not have body image or food issues, or it just never came up or surfaced. And I, and I don't mean that as like a a shaming thing. Like, I think that that's just such a like understandable struggle that a lot of women face growing up in the culture that we grew up in. Like, I think that was, we're having to rewrite core stories and messaging from years and years of things. I don't know if you've had this phenomenon happen where like you watch a show from 10 years ago and you're like, 
holy cow, this was so sexist or racist or like terrible. And so it's, I've had some of those experiences lately where we were watching some older shows and I was just like, oh my gosh, the women were always treated like a certain way and how they looked was like so important. And like, it was just, it's changing now. It's shifting, I think in our culture, thankfully, but like it's, yeah, I just, just to give yourself credit that you're probably in that. So just, um, the sick enough idea. The second thing I see, especially with moms is this idea that they kind of put themselves last. Mm -hmm. Like they tend to over-function and make sure everybody else is okay. And it's, you know, the last thing on their brain is taking care of themselves. And so I think it's really being intentional and understanding that you matter and actually your mental health and your well-being really matters and it matters to your kids and everybody else in your life too. Um, I, looking back, I think sometimes it's helpful to reflect for folks because again, I'm not a parent myself, but I remember watching my own mom and one of the biggest things I wish she could have done. And again, I, I am so grateful for so many things that she did do and the ways that she has worked on stuff and healed, but growing up as a teen, she did not prioritize herself and she did not do self-care and that impacted me as, as her daughter. Like it impacted me seeing that, especially when she'd be like, Hey, take care of yourself or Hey, like, you know, your body image doesn't matter. But then in her own journey, she was struggling and she was, you know, putting herself last and it didn't, it wasn't a great example for me and like how I needed to find that balance too and find my own self-worth because I didn't see that in her. And it wasn't not that it's necessarily like all on our parents to figure out and fix that stuff for us because it really isn't. And I think sometimes moms can forget that having healthy boundaries and putting themselves first and taking time to work on their stuff is one of the best ways that you can help your kiddos do the same because you can say it all you want and tell them, Hey, you're great. And you're beautiful. And you're this and that. And it doesn't resonate as much as seeing it actually happen. Like we, we pick up our nervous system picks up Mm -hmm. on how our parents are. It's not about what they say. Yeah, absolutely. I totally, I totally agree and can relate to that. Um, in the phrase, uh, do as I say, not as I do comes to mind as something that yes. I caught myself saying to my kids even. Um, so yeah, it's just, a, <clears throat> excuse me, a really good reminder that, you know, our actions do often speak louder than words, um, especially when it comes to our family and the culture and the environment that we're creating for our kids of, of taking care of ourselves. Um, and I want to speak really quick too, to the first one that you said, um, because I think that it can be summed up like in comparison to in, in feeling like we're not sick enough. Mm -hmm. I think that whole concept of sick enough can come from looking at, you know, someone else looking at so-and-so and saying, well, they're, they're worse off. I'm doing okay. But the reality is like, it's, this is us and our journey, right? We have to do, um, you know, what we feel is best to help us grow healthy in body, mind, and spirit, right? And it's not about comparing to where someone else is on their journey um, and letting that either tell you, like give you the message that you are way worse off or that you're doing okay. 
Like Mm -hmm. everyone is on a different journey. And so making sure that when you are on this journey, um, taking care of your, your health, your overall health, um, you know, making sure to focus on you and where you are and doing what it is that you feel like you need rather than letting everyone else influence um, what it is you do or don't do when it comes to your health. Yes. One of the funny um, phrases that I teach clients is eyes on your own plate. Mm -hmm. And I know that sounds kind of silly, but I feel like that applies to like eyes on your own journey. Like, you know, it's one of the things they use because when people are going through recovery, often people will comment on what they're eating or not eating. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's one of those like funny ways of them being like, Hey, eyes on your own plate, like them being, you know, them being in charge and empowered by their own journey and not letting people affect them, whether people are making comments to say, um, you know, cause yeah, people have all their thoughts and feelings about other people's food, apparently and bodies you'd be um, but just a good way to kind of set that. And also for ourselves, that own internal reminder, like eyes on your own plate, eyes on your own journey. Like it's, it's really, we're only responsible for ourselves and we never, here's the thing. You really never know what's going on with other folks. And I get a really, and I'm sure you do like a unique lens into how much people can hide. Mm-hmm. Right. And I, I don't mean that in a weird way. I mean that in like a human way of like, you know, I've had people sit in my office that, you would just never know the things that they're struggling with or the ways that they are holding on to different things or, you know, again, and struggle. And so, um, just, yeah, that's why it's like extra important that we kind of eyes on our own journey. It's just, you just never know what's going on for other folks and we're only responsible for ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. I love that eyes on your own journey. Um, because it, it reminds me too, like that, you know, we, as we're keeping our eyes on our own journey, like we have to remember who we're doing this for. Like, we're not doing it for other people. We're not doing it because the world says we should be doing it. Like we're doing it for us. And, you know, as Christians, we're doing it as a way to honor God and as a form of worship to him. And so, um, you know, just keeping that in the back of your mind too is, um, I think can, can kind of keep you stepping forward on your journey, keep your eyes on your road kind of thing. So. Yes. Yes. Cause yeah, it's going to look so different for each of us and what, like what's going to be healing for us. Yeah. So true. Oh, Jenny, this was a fantastic conversation. I loved it. I feel like you dropped so much knowledge. Um, I know that listeners will be blessed by this. So how can um, these women connect with you if they want to know more? So I have a TikTok and I have an Instagram and you can find me. It's the at Jenny, J-E-N-N-Y, A as an Apple, Helms, H-E-L-M-S. Um, if you look me up on social media, I'm sure you'll be able to connect. And I, I try to share at least two or three different like videos or posts that are related to mental health, relational health, things like that. So um yeah, I would love to be connected to you guys. And if you ever have any specific questions, don't hesitate to uh, leave me a DM or message me. Yeah, for sure. Um, And I will drop all those links in the uh, show notes as well. So thank you so much, Jenny, for coming on and chatting with us today. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Thanks for listening today. If you're loving what you hear, be sure to subscribe so you get notified of new episodes each week. 
Also, it would make my day to hear from you. Will you be so kind as to head over to Apple Podcasts, rate the show, and write a short review? That helps me to know what you want to hear more of and helps more women find the show, learn, and be encouraged too. Lastly, if you're not already a part of the Joyful Health for Christian Moms Facebook community, we'd love to have you. We aren't meant to do this thing alone, so come find the support and encouragement you need on your journey to healthy and empowered living. From Ephesians 3, 16 through 19, I pray that from God's glorious unlimited resources, He will empower you with inner strength through His Spirit. Then Christ will make His home in your hearts as you trust in Him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand how wide, how long, how high, and how deep His love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God.